to. Jay can hit it now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah oh, I got it. Yeah, yeah. 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 I found out that it, my I'm replaceable. <laughs> You're very You're replaceable. One role. Chuck. I got one job to do. Start the timer. You guys in DFS. You're very replaceable, Chuck. Don't forget that. Yep. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Sweet Shots Podcast. Lucas Johnson back alongside Mark Johnson and Chuck Johnson for episode 20. We're back. Uh, this is going to be the start of round two, round two, hole one, if you will. Um, that right there, gentlemen, is how you do an intro. I yeah. Did, I did listen to the... We uh, missed you last week. Did you? Because it took you a full 30 minutes yeah. to realize I was gone. I sure hope the listeners realized I was gone before you guys did. <laughs> yeah. It was. Oops. We, got, <laughs> we took a break. We went, we didn't explain why Lucas isn't here. Right. I mean, Sorry it about took that. me all of 30 seconds to be like, these guys, they, they got no clue. Over it. They got no clue. Well, I think we were just so caught up in how do we even do this? Which right. buttons do we press to start that we just all of a sudden we were in it and we forgot to mention that you were doing your PGA schooling. How did it go, by the way? It was, I got through it. I got through it all. You know, there's certain things you pick up on uh, a little more than others just through interest levels, right? I'm not huge into the accounting side of the PGA program, but love learning how to teach people the game of golf. So the last two days were really, really cool. Learned a lot of really good things and excited to implement that into my everyday job now. So um, got through it. Now I'm back. Good. Back doing what we love. Back bugging you guys. Oh, we love having you back in that seat. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you for being back. So for those watching, we have an empty seat next to us. But down on the seat, we've got our first ever phone interview. For the podcast, the Sweet Shots podcast, we're welcoming in from uh, the Detroit Lakes area, I believe, right? Uh, Tom Dolby, legendary PGA member. Tom, welcome in. Thanks for uh, taking some time to get on the phone. Thanks for having me, guys. Very excited to be part of the podcast. So do we look at the chair when we're talking to Tom? Okay. I, think, kind of, I think we do. This I think we're one. going to. I think I like it. <laughs> we're going to look at a, at a blank chair. Just at a blank yeah. chair. Yeah, Tom, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, this is Mark. Uh, you know what? We go back a long ways. Uh, matter of fact, it was 1995. You uh, you took a took a leap and hired me as an assistant professional for you at Southview Country Club, and uh, you've been just a wonderful mentor uh, to me and just a great asset to the uh, the golf profession and and specifically the Minnesota section. So it's a it's a it's a joy to have you back uh, working in our region. So welcome back. Tell tell us. Uh, your travels from Southview, et cetera. How did, how'd you end up uh, at DL? Give us a little preview or summary of, as to your journey. Well, yeah, it's, it's been a journey to say the least, uh, but to recap your intro about you and I meeting and me hiring you, I, to be honest, I thought I was getting a Make-A-Wish kid uh, <laughs> from the Make-A-Wish program. And uh, it turned out I was getting a great assistant golf pro and, and a lifelong friend. So it all worked out great, but uh uh, no, seriously, uh, I started off as the head pro at Southview Country Club. Uh, of course, I grew up working at and playing at as a kid and uh, I still have a very long love affair with that golf course and the members there. And uh, Then I moved over uh, to, uh, I bought a golf course in western Minnesota, Atwater, Minnesota, called Island Pine and owned that for six years. And then I moved to Wisconsin and uh, worked at, at the Timber Ridge Golf Club, a beautiful golf course in Monaco, Wisconsin. 
and that's where I met my wife, uh, Kaylin, and uh, we have since moved on to a couple different places, Mascouten Golf Club in Berlin, Wisconsin, which was a great golf course in central Wisconsin, and then most recently at Pine Grove Country Club in the UP of Michigan and Ironmont, Michigan, a wonderful, wonderful golf course, and then uh, an opportunity of a lifetime came up to move to Detroit Lakes, a golf course I've loved and been very fond of. Uh, after my days of playing the Pine to Palm years ago. And uh, we got family in the area and a lot of friends in the area. So it all came to fruition to, to be at a great place like DL and the DCC Country Club. So uh, yeah, we can't be more, more excited to be here and be part of this great area. Yeah, that's fantastic, Tommy. You mentioned Kayla and your wife. Now, she's a PGA member as well. How many, how many years has she been a PGA member? She's been a PGA member for about uh, 12 or so years. And uh, just as a great, great instructor, a uh, wonderful passion for the game and uh, has a great history of working with junior golfers and, and lady golfers and just a real promoter of, of the game of golf. So uh, we're, I'm very lucky to have her part of our team and be my wife and be part of the Detroit country club team. So she does tend to pit play uh, tee tee boxes a little too far forward though. I've played golf <laughs> with her. She can hit it really, really nice. That's like a rivalry for the ages. I, I stepped into it. I, I had the opportunity to go down to the PGA show with, with you, Mark, and then Tom and Kalen. We stayed with them and we got I was to play there. and Chuck was there. You Thank didn't you. play golf with us. No, 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 was, I didn't. Yeah. Okay. But uh, we got the opportunity to play golf with them. And I, I learned a lot about that rivalry between you and you and Kalen. Well, she, she hits it. Know. She hits it farther than I do, and she's playing tees that are too forward. I'm all about choosing tees that are appropriate, you know, for your ability in the contest. But there's no way she and I should be playing different tee boxes. Her uh, her number one goal when she tees up is she's looking for a fair advantage. <laughs> <laughs> I know when you play, there's always a, there's something on the line when you play with her, and it's it's fun when you see some social media posts. You guys love to play, and uh, it's kind of fun to see. Uh, you 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 keep it. Uh, you keep her in check, though. It seems like you're winning more than you're losing. Is that a fact, Tom? It, it, well, we've had a, a lifetime bet. Uh, when she beats me, I said, I'll quit the game, and I'm still playing. So uh, you can do the scoring at home for that. So <laughs> That's good. That's good. So what will uh, Kalen's role be at, at DL? You know, for those listeners that haven't been there before, it, it's, a, it's a great facility, a lot of tradition in, in our region. Uh, but they also not only have the 18-hole facility, they, they have an executive golf course. Uh, and practice facility over on the other side of the of the highway. What what's going to be her role? So we are following. Uh, uh, there are two golf courses here: the Pine to Palm course, which is par seventy one, and then the Lakeview course, which is par sixty four. Uh, we are lucky to be following two really great golf pros, and Mark Holm and Chris Smith. And uh, Kellen's going to be very involved with the junior golf program. Uh, uh, roughly about three hundred kids in the junior golf program here. Detroit Lakes has a great great history of, uh, of high school uh, state championships and state qualifying teams and a number of really good players have come out of the town. Uh, so she's going to be in charge of that program, the girls of the game program, and then she'll be mostly in charge of running the, the facilities out of Lakeview where uh, the juniors are mostly held a uh, number of large junior tournaments are in the area. Uh, we have a full driving range there with, with fitting equipment. She'll be doing a lot of teaching down there and, and working with the fitting equipment also. So, Good for her. Yeah, it's going to be a great fit. Great fit. Have so you guys it seems we're talking a lot about Kaylin. We've got Tom on the show. Well, yeah, we're going to have Kaylin on eventually. Right. Yeah. So, Tom, what what's your role then going to be around around DL? We talked about what Kaylin's going to do. What 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 do you expect to do around around that area? Well, I I hope to uh, 
uh, get to meet all of our customers. Uh, we have a very diverse membership here. I'm going to be the general manager and the head golf pro uh, running two facilities and close to uh, 80 or 90 employees. So uh, it's a big operation. It's very, very busy in the summer, June, July, and August. Um, August is capped off with uh, uh, one of the area's premier events and actually one of the re regions and nationally premier events in the Pine to Palm where 450 participants playing it and uh, it's a sort of a celebration of, of Minnesota golf and Minnesota history of golf. So, uh, but I'm going to be very active on all facets of the business from staff management to uh, creating the business plan, uh, managing the employees, uh, the food and beverage operation, pretty much all of it. So uh, it's, it's, it's a great facility with a great track record, but like every other business, you got to stay on top of the management side of it to, to make sure the revenues and the expenses balance out. So, Absolutely. And, and you, t you touched on uh, the Pine to Palm and obviously that's a, a big part of uh, not only that, that golf course, but that area. I think it's with the timing around the country music festival known as we fest. Um, and then just the good quality golf that comes in. Um, I think out of the three of us here, one of our names is on the board. I'll bring it up as much as I can. He never, <laughs> yeah. he, every opportunity he has, I know. and I would too. Yeah. If my name was on the board, I'd bring it up. Or not, but yeah. Between the three of us, we have one name on the on the board. On the board. Yeah. 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 Um, Tom, is your name on the board anywhere? It, it is not. Okay. You, so between know, the four of us, one. I know, Tom, you've had a, an illustrious playing career. Did you play in the Pine to Palm growing up? Was that a Was that a stop for you? Yes, I did. I played in two of them. Uh, I wish I had played in more. Uh, the one year my uh, claim to fame is uh, I, I was second place in the, in, in the medal qualifying the one year. I shot uh, 66, 67, and Mr. Pat Herzog shot 64, 64. Uh, so then I probably lost in the first round that year. So, uh, <laughs> so but, but I was more of a medal player. I was never. Uh, 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 I, I, I love the love the, the qualifying format of the event, and I tended to. Uh, uh, enjoy the nightlife here in the DL quite a bit. So when it came to match play, I was already exhausted. Well, I can uh, I can relate to liking the uh, the medalist side of things. I, I guess I haven't experienced the uh, DL nightlife as maybe as much, but uh, no, that was uh, I always seemed to find my exit around that uh, second second and third round. You made longer runs as a 16 year old than you did. I did. That was my, yeah. well, that was my second longest run. Second yeah. longest run. Tom. Yeah. So we're touching a little bit on your playing ability and that's where I want to go next. I, you, you had, you have the ability, you were managing a, a country club in Southview when I was working for you. Um, everything that goes into running a golf facility at a very elite level, giving services at that, at that level. And on top of that, you were still able to play like world-class golf. You played in three major championships as a head, as a golf professional. There's folks out there that are playing every day, working on their game that don't get the opportunity professionally to play in major championships. Um, which, uh, which three did you play? There's three PGAs and I know which three, but I, I want to have you touch on it. And, and which of your three was your most favorite? Uh, I played in 94 at Southern Hills and 95 at Riviera and then 2002 at Hazeltine. And, uh, I wound up by making the cut in the uh, 94 one at Southern Hills. And obviously that's probably the most fun one in my heart, but I, I enjoyed all of them. Uh, they all presented different opportunities and challenges. Uh, but, uh, Southern Hills was just a fabulous experience being my first, first PGA and first major. And, 
the thrill of all that. And it was sort of in a mid-major town. Uh, so the, you know, there was 40,000 spectators there on, on, on Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday for practice rounds. So, uh, the, for a person that had never really experienced that, that was quite a thrill. So you're playing in front of just huge crowds, even on a practice round that. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, a quick story is, uh, on Wednesday, we had heard that uh, Nicholas Watson, Price, and Norman were playing a, re- a, a rematch practice run from the British Open, and at one o'clock on Wednesday, and uh, myself and Kevin Cash, and another golfer from Minnesota, we had talked to the starter about getting off in front of them. He said, "Well, be on the practice putting green, and we'll come down and get you right before they tee off." So he comes down and grabs us. These four guys are on the first tee, and their names are in the starting grid, and we walk up, and they slide their names out, and they put in Dolby and Cashman, and they crowd moans <laughs> uh, and uh uh so then the announcer says now in the first tee kevin cashman and at the same time i feel a tap on my shoulder and i look behind me it's crenshaw and he goes mind if we join you and it's him and lanny watkins and i said that, <laughs> that that'd be fun uh and sort of wet my pants uh but uh, <laughs> uh it uh then they slid their names in and the crowd erupted so now we're on the first tee with nicholas nicholas watson price and norman and Crenshaw and Lenny Watkins. Um, so it, it was, uh, and we, and I survived that. And we talked about that for the rest of the week that, you know, if you can survive that first tee, you can pretty much survive any first tee. Right. Absolutely. So, uh, no, that's, that's, that story itself is crazy. And I know we've got having spent time with you, Tom, I know there's plenty of stories to get to, but talk about the process as far as getting into these. Uh, they're obviously they're major tournaments. There's the top tournaments in golf. How does a, a golf professional from Minnesota just just wind up playing in these. Well, the the, the PGA Corporal has an avenue to get into the PGA Championship through a, a qualifying format. First, you have to qualify at your state level. There's usually uh, three to seven spots available from each section to to advance to the National Club Pro Championship. And then at that, there's a, a there used to be 40 spots to get in the the uh, the top 40 would get in the National PGA Championship. And now it's down to 20 spots. Um, so my first time I qualified, it was 40 spots. The next time it was 25 spots, and the final time it was it was it was uh, uh, 15 spots actually. And they have since modified it back up to 20. Uh, so it's it's a it's a daunting process. You know, about uh, uh, 15,000 club pros start the qualifying process, and you get down to 15 or 20 guys making it. So it's it, it's a pretty cool achievement to to make make it. It's one of the true highlights for a PGA club professional to, to go through that process. So absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a highlight That's, to do it once, let alone three times, three times. three times. That reminded me, Tom, of another story from Tulsa. So there were 40 PGA professionals playing in that event. And w- didn't Bernhard Langer, who just won again, just won this week. Yeah, I think he tied for the most the chub, something 62, like, 62nd win. I think well, it's 45th champions tour win. with Hale Irwin. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, anyway, remarkable. Didn't didn't Bernard have some comments about the field? There were too many club pros playing in that in that championship, um, and it, you were able to kind of re, rebut that in the in the press conference after a round. How did that happen? So, so, so I wound up playing pretty good at Southern Hills, and I made the cut. And on Friday, I shot sixty seven in the second round, and they pulled me into the big press tent like you see on TV. And it was one hundred and two degrees out. And I was fairly delirious. <laughs> when I got in there, uh, uh, and excited to be in there, obviously for the first time ever. And, uh, one of the very first questions they threw at me is, uh, they said to Bernard Longer and made some comments that 
the club, there was too many club pros in the event and they didn't deserve to be in the field. And I was feeling a little cocky and bold at the time. And I said, well, what did Bernhard shoot? And at that time he was three behind me. I said, well, if he had played better, we could have talked about it tomorrow. <laughs> like you had been paired together if you would have played better. Uh, oh, man. The next day in the, in the Tulsa paper, the, the headline in the sports page is Dolby slams Langer's comments about club pros. <laughs> uh, so, but, you know, I, I think that uh, uh, I've only talked to Bernard one time since then. Uh, I, I think he's become a much more... Uh, uh, better golf person, so to speak, and much more compassionate about uh, the evolution of golf and club pros and uh, you know so-called rabbits on the senior tour and so on. So, uh, but he's 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 become a very very good ambassador for senior golf and and obviously just for golf in general with his performances and and the ability to stay healthy and uh, maintain his golf ability as he ages here because he's he's truly a still a world class player and. If he, if he played the PGA Tour, he'd still be in the top 50, I believe. Uh, wow, the longest golf courses might get him. But, uh, uh, I mean, just it was a year or two ago, they were considering putting him on the Ryder Cup team. So that's that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, that is crazy. Remarkable. I will say, and I saw this, and it, 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 it looks pretty bad. Uh, a picture from one of his winning putts uh, this last week, it really looks like he's anchoring with that left forearm, which would be uh, – Illegal. Are you calling him out? I'm LJ I'm, right I here on our podcast. What do you think, Tom? We got any anchoring going on there? <laughs> uh, that shirt is awful tight to his chest. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. uh, it doesn't. The picture does not look good. I will say that. So a little controversy on top of it. So the other majors that you talked about, I want to take them out of order because the third one, Riviera, I want to save that because that'll be a great transition into some yep. of our talk from last week's event. The the Hazel team. Uh, championship, the PGA championship in 2002, Tom, that to play in your back, to qualify and play in a championship in your backyard in front of friends and family, that has to just be an incredibly special uh, um, experience. Talk to us about the Hazel team. Yeah, it was, I mean, actually just qualifying for that event was a, was a real thrill for me. Uh, uh, The qualifying that year was at, at Valhalla golf club in Louisville, Kentucky, where they've had Ryder cups and majors, also, so to play on a, on a truly championship venue in the National Club Pro was a real thrill, and uh, and I played very well there. I finished like eleventh or twelfth overall, and uh, uh, against a great field of club pros that year, it was probably one of the best uh, strength of fields that the the club pro championship has had through the years, and uh, and I had a remote chance to win the event and to be in the hunt was was a real thrill. Uh, it uh, uh, Hazel team was it was awesome to play in our backyard. Uh, I had thrown my back out uh, about three, four weeks before the tournament, and it just deteriorated uh, to the point where I could barely even walk uh, uh, during the event and, and barely swing, and my scores were pretty poor. Uh, I had played in a pro-am at uh, Oakland and Stillwater, Minnesota during that week, and uh, or three weeks before, and I shot 64, and, and I went to a neighboring golf course and hit balls for about three hours, and I drove three hours home to, to Wilmer, Minnesota, and I couldn't get out of the car. My back was locked up on me. And uh, so in, in retrospect, I probably should have withdrew out of the event and let somebody else play in my spot. But uh, I was excited to play at home. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it was it was if I had been on the road somewhere, I probably would withdrew. But I had a lot of family and friends in town for the event. And um, to say I felt obligated is probably not the right word, but I, I felt like I should play. And 
and, and, and struggle through it. And, and I definitely struggled through it. So, so from that event, there is a story, your brother caddied for you. If I remember. Correctly. Yeah. 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 And can you talk to us about the, uh, the situation where you found yourself with uh, less than a, uh, a comfortable number of golf balls in your golf bag? <laughs> yeah, I was playing with uh, uh, J.J. Henry and, and Philip Price from Wales, and uh, we got to the 16th hole, which, are, which is our seventh hole. And uh, I actually was playing pretty good up until that point uh, on, on round one. And uh, I think I was only like one over par, uh, maybe two over par going into 16. And... Uh, uh, the 16th hole, sort of the signature hole at his routine, and I, you know, I thought it was a pretty good tee ball out there. And uh, we get out there, and the, the the spotter never saw the ball land over the hazard. And uh, so we searched, and finally had to go back to the tee box and hit another one. My brother gave me a golf ball, and I, the rules fish would give me a ride down to the tee box and hit that one, the second one, way out in the middle of the lake. And uh, so now, the rules official gives my brother a ride back in the cart to give me another ball, and. My brother walks up to the tee box and he throws me the ball and he says, have fun. It's our last one. Oh, <laughs> no. I said, what? He goes, yeah, I forgot, I forgot to grab golf balls when we left the locker room. Oh. So th- that was a lot of pressure in front of about 25,000 people on the last three holes to play with one golf ball at Hazleton <laughs> until we got to the locker room at the turn. Uh, but I did it. I did it. I, I, I played 16, 17, 18 there with one ball. Oh, uh, considering this, the, the situation, uh, it would have been embarrassing to ask one of my fellow competitors for a golf ball. <laughs> well, in the rules, Tom, I think you need to be playing the same golf ball, same right? Equipment. You couldn't you yeah. couldn't change yeah. brands. So if J.J. Henry was playing, I don't know if you were playing a Srixon or what you were playing at that time, yeah. but were they playing, playing a Srixon and J.J. was playing a Tylus, and I think Philip was playing a Bridgestone. So, uh, But at that point, the rules wouldn't have mattered. I just needed the ball. oh what an experience hopefully you and your brother can laugh about that now but i'm sure at the time it was uh it was not that comfortable no it wasn't it was uh uh yeah it was a very stressful walk up that fairway i would say so tom when you talk about obviously no slouch when it comes to to playing ability what what would have been your strongest part of the, the game what what made you succeed at that level obviously not everyone can get there but you made something click. You know, I was, I was always very good at keeping the ball in play. Uh, I prided myself on some different shots off the tee to keep the ball in play. I always considered myself a, a, a very good wedge and, and, and sand wedge player and, and pitcher and chipper of the ball. Uh, but to tell you the truth, I, I really always prided myself on preparation too. I think that's one of the things that is really overlooked for, for good players is uh, creating a game plan, how to attack the golf course and, uh, every PJ I played in, every uh, state open I played in, every section championship, I always played practice rounds. And uh, just I felt the knowledge of the golf course uh, was invaluable. Uh, uh, the different angles and places to miss it and places to avoid and uh, just peace of mind of playing the golf course to me was, was really important. And then also along with that was just having the proper gear. Uh, I, I, I preached to our high school golfers all the time about having you know, a stocking cap and rain gloves and having your bag organized and stuff like that. Because, you know, if you look at uh, some of the players, you know, and you talk about preparation before a tournament, if you know a golf course well in a three, four round tournament, you're probably gaining six, eight, 10 shots on the field of of the average players in the field, just based off of knowledge of the golf course. Uh, so, you know, I never really thought of myself as a, uh, 
world-class player, so to speak, but I, I, I did consider myself a, a very organized and, and well-prepared player, which I felt really helped benefit me. So, Sure. That's awesome. Yeah. But, and it, transitioning to your other PGA championship and where the tour played last week at Riviera, I would imagine knowing that golf course, managing, having a game plan um, when those golf courses, when you miss it in the wrong spots is so penal that uh, having a game plan to avoid those areas had to have been beneficial. Talk to us about that experience playing the, the storied Riviera uh, golf golf club um, back in 95. You know, it, it was it was truly a special place. Uh, it was a unique time. It was at the height of the OJ trial. Uh, so uh, LA was buzzing with OJ, OJ uh, stuff. Uh, in the locker room, they had a piece of duct tape over his locker name. Uh, oh, no. just a piece of gray duct tape over OJ's name, which was pretty funny. I actually have a picture of it somewhere. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was just, a, just an incredible golf course. I went down there a month before with one of my board members from Southview and, uh, we played a couple of days and, uh, you know, that golf course is all about angles and positioning and, uh, you know, there's holes you want to be in the bunker on. Uh, there's holes you, you just can't afford to miss in a certain spots. And, uh, it, uh, and the greens on the golf course today are much different than the greens were back then. Uh, the turf is much better today. I and mean, those greens look beautiful on TV and were rolling very, very well. Uh, when, when I played, they actually tore the greens up literally a week after the tournament to, to replace them. Uh, there was just virtually no grass left on the, on the greens at, after our tournament. So, uh, you know, I played well done. I shot 73, 74. I, I think I missed the cut by one shot. Uh, had a number of chances as I look back on it to, to, to make the cuts. Uh, you know, it, uh, it, uh, it was, a interesting time. Uh, I was playing a practice round with, uh, uh, Tom Lehman and Larry Mize and Jim Furyk. And we were on the uh, ninth hole at Riviera. It's an uphill part four. And there was very few spectators out there. And, uh, there was two ladies coming down the cart path runs on the right side of the hole as you come down the hole and, there's two ladies in black sundresses walking down the entire length of the hole. And, uh, we noticed them fairly quickly and, uh, they walked right up to the side of the tee. And I said, uh, the one said, hi boys, how's it going? And it was Christy Brinkley and Cheryl Teagues, uh, two <laughs> oh, supermodels back in the day. And, uh, it was very difficult to play that hole. Let's say that the rest <laughs> of the way. Uh, they, they sort of shook me up. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's awesome. Well, that's fantastic. So I tell you what, we're gonna we're gonna keep you around here, Tom. We gotta take our first break just to make sure that we get uh, everything organized here. Talk about organization. We'll get everything organized. We'll keep you around after the break. Uh, so okay. don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This segment brought to you by the Sweet Shots Golf Academy and Retail Golf Center. Now is the time. Get fit for your clubs. From putter fittings, driver fittings, irons fittings. It's in your best interest to make sure you get in here, get your equipment fit and ordered for the 2023 season. These manufacturers, uh, they'll make it, they'll ship it, and it'll be here by the time we're ready to hit the links. Come have a fitting experience that you won't soon forget. Sweet Shots Golf Academy and Retail Fitting Center. Let Jim Bigelow, Lucas Johnson fit you up for your equipment here in 2023. Let's get better today. Let's get better today. I like it. You did remember that last time. Uh, yeah, we last did. Last episode. And then it seemed to click that. Oh, oh yeah, shoot. Lucas the guy who uh, penned that isn't here. <laughs> I think that's what <laughs> it came down, came down to. It is. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, jumping right back into it. 
uh, Tom. So talk about Riviera, and there's fantastic golf being played this last week. It seems like these elevated events have been fantastic to watch. Um, but one of the hole 10 at Riviera might be, in my opinion, one of the greatest golf holes out there. Um, when you were playing, you said back in 95, what was this, what was the strategy like on that hole? Maybe for, for you and for guys playing it, you know, now it's bombs away and you just get a wedge in your hand. Was, was that similar to when you were playing it or does it, diff, was it different then too? Uh, somewhat similar. Uh, it was still bombs away, but only a very, very, very few people back in, in the, uh, in the, uh, mid nineties had the, had the game to get it on the putting surface. Uh, very few. Uh, now they all do, uh, but that doesn't mean they can. And uh, the, the big difference from now to, to back when I played it was there used to be two fairways on that hole. There was a fairway on the right side also, a, a small little skinny narrow fairway on the right. Uh, and uh, and if you chose to go that way, you know you, you could have a better option if the pin got left on the green. Uh, the, the green's not very wide, but when they put the pin on the left, you could you could go on that right side. With a with a hybrid or a fairway without the key and have a you know a 60, 70, 80 yard pitch shot onto that green and, and have some have some spin on the ball, uh, you know now the the hole is really diabolical. Uh, over over the course of time, the the right green side bunker, uh, the lip has gotten higher because of the sand coming out of the bunker and it's probably raised up another five six inches there, which creates a little bit of a downslope effect, and uh, that's really got the players really paralyzed if they get in that bunker. Uh, they really don't have an option. A little surprised at times more players just don't play to the center, the, the front third center of that green uh, as a safety valve uh, when they get out of position. But it's hard for a, a, a tour elite player to really back off a 30-yard, 20, 30, 40-yard shot. Uh, it's just not in their DNA. Uh, you know, it's the tour has been a lot of fun the last uh, three, four, five weeks with the leaderboards. Uh, it's, uh, the PJ tour is in a great spot. It's, it, uh, you know, when, when players leave either through a different playing opportunity or their game is phased out or they retire, there's just always another generation of this PJ tour and, and, and in the golf world to, to pick up the slack. Uh, there's just some wonderful stories out there, uh, with guys like Max Homa, uh, Tom Kim, uh, soon Jake, uh, uh, and obviously the, the Spieth and the, and the Justin Thomases are in their prime. Uh, but Mr. Rahm and McElroy right now are really playing some great golf. Uh, uh, Rahm is just at a whole level different than most of the kids out there. So it is crazy. And, and I, we see it more and more. And I, I saw a comment that we do it a lot, but I think this is the closest we're coming to a tiger esque run. I mean, he's won five of his last nine events. He's only lost to a total of nine different golfers. He's made $9.8 million in the last three weeks or something like that. And um, we're sitting here trying to, you know, we always think when's the next one or who's who's the next. But this certainly feels like a run to keep an eye on. Well, pump the brakes there, young Johnson. Pump the brakes there, but okay. <laughs> well, uh, I did. When, I, you, when you mentioned him with Tiger, you're you're getting some rare, rare air. I, so I pump, pump I, the brakes. I knew that, I, and I have a stat to back that up. I mean, there's an equally as crazy stat that I saw today, and and this one's in Tiger with Tiger. So if if Tiger Woods would have played only two years on tour from 1999 to 2000, just those two years, 
he would have had uh, four or seventeen wins in four majors, which is a better career than Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson, guys, guys in that area. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's there's, crazy. There, there's really, I mean, Nicholas and Tiger are a total world of their own as far as uh, golf accomplishments. And then you have sort of a middle pack of guys, uh, you know, the Hogan's, the Faldo's, the Tom Watson's, uh, those guys are in the middle pack. And then you have a, you know, a plethora of, of guys, the, the Spieth, the McElroy, uh, with the two, three majors uh, that are, you know, trying to get to that fourth major, fifth major. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I think Rom definitely has the game for it. Uh, it's just, it's, it, golf is an interesting way lately of, uh, uh, not superstars come along very rarely, uh, and we're so quick to to tag certain people as superstar. Uh, you know, fame, yes, but superstar is a whole different word. And uh, you know, I, I think Ron has a long way to go uh, to get to being even mentioned in the same breath as a Faldo or or a Watson. Uh, that sort that sort of vein with five, six, seven majors. Uh, you know, it's amazing how fast time passes by. They were talking about, uh, you know, Jordan Spieth, you know, uh, how long it's been since his last major. And, you know, he needs the PGA to win the Grand Slam. And uh, it's, uh, I mean, he is at the top of his game right now. And uh, But life can deal those guys with uh, with family, uh, different motivations, and all that. And it's just hard to stay focused like a Tiger did. Uh, Tiger was a motiv- motivated person. And uh, Ram is on, you know, I... I read some of those stats you're talking about. You know, I think a better comparison to Ron right now is probably Johnny Miller's run. Uh, that he's on the sort of the same run that Johnny Miller was on back in the seventies. Uh, just you know, playing at such a high level, nobody could catch him for for an eighteen month period. And uh, so, but we'll see how it translates to the majors. Uh, how about Tom? What Tiger did this week? Uh, step in and make the cut and hadn't competed for, for a while on tour. Um, if you're making the cut at Riviera, you must have some ball striking uh, back in line. He, he must be in control of his ball flight. What, what do you, what's your take on Tiger? Well, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, along the same lines there, you know, it's not unlike what Jack did, you know, when Jack won Augusta at 46 years old and uh, what Sneed did and some of the, you know, Sneed almost won events in his 50s. Uh, Tom Watson almost won a British Open. Uh, when you're that of an elite player, uh, you have the the skill set and, and and the and the mind memory to dig deep into your library and catalog of shots and skills. Uh, you know, it's it, at some point it becomes physical, and uh, it was great to see Tiger physically handle that golf course. Uh, you know, it's, it's four. You know, it wasn't just four rounds of the tournament. He played a couple practice rounds. Uh, he was the host of the event, so he was busy hosting the event. Uh, it sounds like uh, I've I played Riviera. Uh, you, you've walked 18 holes there. Now you got to walk up about 100 steps up to the clubhouse, and uh, it, it it is a a, 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 t- a tall task. And you know, Tiger's been through a lot, and to see him perform at this level, I, I was really excited for him. To tell you the truth, I, I think that he's uh, got a real chance at Augusta. I mean, he he was driving the ball beautifully. Uh, I love the tempo of his swing. Uh, there was no hurry in any of his swings, especially off the tee. Uh, he drove it as good as most people did during the event. 
because uh, putter got a little sideways a couple of the rounds. Yeah. Uh, and that just comes from not playing enough under the bright lights. He does play a fair amount of golf at medalist. I know that for a fact. I got a friend of mine who plays there often and, and Tiger is there a lot. And, you know, Tiger's blessed with a, with a wonderful son, a lot like you, Mark. And, uh, uh, you know, the, and Charlie's, Charlie's keeping Tiger active in golf. And uh, that's going to be a real blessing for Tiger as, as he goes through his next two, three years of his life, trying to, trying to chase down Mr. Nicholas. So, uh, but Tiger was, Tiger looked great. I mean, I, you know, he's, he was as good as swinging the club as I've seen him in a long time. Yeah, I was, I was encouraged watching that. I was hoping, you know, make the cut would be just something wonderful and then to see him do it and then even play pretty well Saturday. Tom, Matter of fact, I played. Wanted, I want a couple beers yeah, off you. I owe you Tiger a couple beers. Yeah. I shouldn't have brought it up. You Tom, were doubting Tiger. Okay, moving on. Tom, <laughs> having played Riviera, and I know I'm certain you've probably been to Augusta and watched. Is it as hilly? I, my my recollection of Augusta was just taken back on how hilly and that takes a toll on a on a golfer and somebody like Tiger. Is Riviera comparable to that? No, no. There's very. I mean, I. There's very few golfers that compare to Augusta as far as the hills go. Okay. Especially especially some of the pitch of the hills. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of steep up, a lot of steep down. Uh, it, uh, Riviera has some holes that are comparable to it, but uh, nothing over 18 holes like Augusta. Sure. Uh, it, uh, you know, that's where, you know, that's what he's building for is to be able to walk around that golf course for four days at Augusta and uh, plus play a couple practice rounds or some holes of practice rounds to uh, physically be able to perform at, at a level. And uh, I think he was, you know, I, I saw his interview uh, after the event and you can see the, the glimmer in his eyes. He accomplished, uh, yep. I mean, he, obviously making a cut's a big deal. To, most people, it's not a big deal to Tiger. Tiger has a different goal than just making the cut. And I think Tiger's goal was to be able to recoup his energy and his physical abilities uh, as far as being able to physically move around the golf course the way he wanted uh, for four days, and 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 that was mission accomplished. I, I think that he's really encouraged by that. Yep, agreed. Absolutely. I've got one other golf uh, story question for mm-hmm. Tom yep. before we um, let him go. Tom, you were you were mentioned, or I don't know, if featured's the word mentioned in a John Feinstein Stein, John Feinstein, great sports writer, yep. a book that he did about Q School. Hmm. Tom, can you speak to? Didn't he follow you around and, and, and was he following you or were you paired with Jim Furyk? If the story, if I remember the story, I was, uh, well, was, the book is a good walk spoiled. A by good John walk, Feinstein. Okay. Good walk. Spoiled. And it's basically about the trials and tribulations of, of tour cues of shoe school back in the day and, and the success and failure of certain players in their quest to be in the PGA tour, to make it to the PGA tour. And I was, uh, had the good fortune of being paired with Mike Donald. Uh, Mike Donald, uh, had, lost the U.S. Open the year before in an 18-hole playoff to Hale Irwin. Uh, Hale Irwin had made a uh, 60-foot putt on the 18th green of the, of the 72nd hole to force a playoff. Otherwise, Mike Donald would have been the U.S. Open champion. Wow. And, and everything that goes with that, the, the, the lifetime exemptions and all this stuff. Uh, the year later, Mike Donald's at PGA Tour Q School. Wow. Jeez. And uh, Mike Donald had been a journeyman his whole life and uh, struggled on tour and I was paired with him and John McGinnis, and uh, Mike and and John Feinstein rode in my cart for four days, and oh. uh, and I actually played fairly well at the Q School. I it was a dream of mine to 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 make it there, and I and I did, and 
I had, I think I may have led the entire field on birdies that week, but I also led them in triples and quadruple bogeys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, I had like 29 birdies in the four rounds. Wow. Uh, and I, but I just, I, I could not stop aiming for certain pins and that was just my nature. And, uh, but I was, I was there sort of on a different mission, but, uh, uh, yeah, but uh, John was a, a great guy and, um, uh, you know, it was and 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 I tell people a story all the time about Mike Donald and the the cruelties of golf and and what it takes to succeed and you know some guys chase it for you know a guy like Tom Lehman chased chased mini tour golf for ten years uh, you know before he hit pot of gold and uh, you know guys like Tom Hoagie chased golf and uh, there's very few guys that come out and 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 hit and hit, hit pay dirt right away most of those guys out there have chased golf for a long time and it's a long process and there's whole different levels of, of, uh, ability out there. But I think that, that the biggest thing, when you, uh, find the, the great players that are successful in the tour, they find comfort out there and they're comfortable in that setting. Uh, the, the lights, the cameras, the interview, the, uh, the golf course changes it from week to week. They don't find that to be a discomfort. They find it comforting. And they, uh, you know, a lot of good players have told me through the years that they, every golf course is the same. It has a tee box, a fairway and a green. And that's what they look at. You know, they don't see all the fluff and the, the, the trouble and the rough and the water and the trees. Uh, and when players are struggling, they do. And when they're playing great, they don't. And, uh, you know, I mean, you can see in and Rom's swing right now that and McElroy swing, they get up in the tee box and they just swing they're not in any type of discomfort on that, on that golf course mentally. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a, the, it, was a it was a thrill of mine or a, a, a pretty cool thing to be in that book. That's awesome. Yeah. There's many stories. We're going to have to have Tom on again. We'll Absolutely. have him in person and uh, we can go a little more in depth with some of those, some of those stories and things. But um, Tom, we are uh, very thankful that you came on with us. We're even more thankful that you're back in our region and community. The members at Detroit Country Club in that area are going to really benefit from having you and Kalen around. Um, so we're re really looking forward to, to having you in, in the region, in the community, and and doing what you do best for, for golf and golfers. Um, you're one of the most talented people uh, in our industry, in the game of golf, both as a player and as a facility manager and i and i really look forward to folks in the in the community and region getting to know you both um so thanks for being on tom we wish you the best uh, this spring getting things going with the detroit country club thank you very much and congratulations to you guys on a great facility i was up there a few weeks ago and uh that is one one cool place you guys have there at, at sweet shop so congratulations thank you thanks tom. thank you appreciate it thanks guys all right, all right take care we'll talk to you later tom okay bye-bye all right, we're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back after this. We're going to talk uh, DFS stuff for us here. All right. This segment brought to you by Sweet Shots Academy Junior Golf Programs. We've got one kicking off here in two weeks. That's going to be the first week in March. Uh, I believe March 2nd is that Saturday. So we've got great programs led by myself and Jim Bigelow. We utilize some of our technology as well as uh, being able to see some full ball flight uh, in the winter. So it's going to be a great time. If you've, if you've got some kids that are looking to burn off some energies on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m., bring them on over to Sweet Shots um, for our junior program. Let's get better today.
gents, getting getting right into it. Obviously, we touched on it a little bit last week. Where Riviera was fantastic. It seems like he just John Rom just does not want to go anywhere. Um, so this week, a little break in the action because he's not going to play. Um, so somebody else can win. Give give someone else a chance here. Max Homa also had a great week. I mean, he, he came came what seemed like out of nowhere. Man, just, he got emotional in the in the I press. Know, he wanted like, it. It meant a lot to him. Yeah, it's refreshing. Yeah. Yep. Well, when you get the chance to stand next to Tiger and Tiger Sharon, I get emotional too. Right. Um, but and then we touched on just how amazing Tiger Woods is and just the 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 physical feat he was able to achieve. But um, watching it, mean, it's kind of it's interesting too because over this last week we've had the release of the uh, uh, Netflix documentary Full Swing, and, and Chuck, I know we talked a little yep. bit about it. Mark, you said you you started it, right? Correct. I mean, talk about a, a just a great concept i think for the world of golf to be able to get that out there they're looking to do what they did for the formula one series that's right um but which have you guys watched i have yeah i I love it i think it's one of my favorites you know what for those listeners out there that may not be in the racing of cars i was not into it at all and somebody turned me on to this documentary it's three seasons now i believe is out there it's four fourth is coming out i believe no fifth one's coming oh fifth is coming out yeah okay Anyway, uh, it's unbelievable. Netflix has uh, individuals embedded with these drivers, and you see just the competition between the teams, and it's it's good. I it's thought a, there's only one seat per car. No, there's yeah yeah okay. there's this guy. another oh, guy in the not. back seat. Oh. He's hitting him in the back of the head. If he's making a wrong <laughs> turn. Wow, that, I'm watching that. <laughs> yes. That would be something. You had no idea in those indie cars. <laughs> indie cars. Oh my gosh. So you watched uh, this whole, uh, whole full swing? I've watched one episode. Oh, wait. Yeah, the whole full, full swing full I've watched the you entire. you watched that too? It okay. is. It's, it's so interesting to just get a behind-the-scenes look. You've, I mean, it's these guys are human beings. You know, you just get right. to see what – I mean, the preparation to me, and I'm, I'm seven episodes, seven of the eight episodes in, but it's interesting to see under the hood the preparation, the mental aspect that goes into it because guys like – Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth are so different from a Joel Damon and Sahith Tagala, and right. you know you've they've got Rory McIlroy on there last episode. Don't spoil anything. Nope, and nope, I mean I it's won't. it's it's so interesting just to we just see them on the leaderboard, right? And we realize how great golfers they are. But then you get a look under the hood about um, the kind of people they are and what goes into their preparation and and what factors in. Um, it's amazing but to watch. The one that stood out, and I won't ruin it for you guys, is the Tony Fino. Absolutely. Have you seen I that one? Gonna, I just watched that one. That yeah. guy. I've, I've always been a fan, but to, to watch that episode really focused on him and his family and just, I'm a bigger fan. I yeah. want that guy to succeed as much as possible. And I think ultimately that's what this show is going to do is it's going to bring people to the fact that, yes, it does touch on the PGA Tour versus Live stuff, but ultimately it was more, you know, hey, you see this guy on the golf course. How about what he's like off the golf course, right. what he's dealing with off the golf course and how he prepares and, and what yep. these experience, how they shape them. And, and it's really, really cool to watch <clears throat> just from a, just from a personal level. It's right. the number two ranked Netflix uh, show right, Is it now. right now. Yeah. Number okay. two. Okay. As, golf. as it should be. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. I think people yeah. it's anytime you get to take a look under the hood of, of whatever it is. Right. Yep. There's a tennis one that's out there um, that I think I, I didn't watch it, but I've heard great things about, I think people are just, they're itching for this kind of, uh, content to to just humanize some of those people sure. that are, are making that. Cool. So 
Uh, really cool. Uh, if you don't, if you have Netflix, get the opportunity to take a look at Full Swing. It's it's absolutely uh, fantastic. Love to hear your guys' reactions uh, in the comments or anything like that. But getting into this week, we're going from the West Coast to the East Coast. Well, are we going to recap? Oh, uh, we better recap. Quickly, Sorry, quickly. I didn't get a team. Mark might have actually had a victory, so we better recap. Well, so, well, this yes. is full on controversy. Full. It is. It's just perfect. Just it's total me. You want to talk? Am I going first? Yeah. Well, there, I w- LJ wasn't here, so he didn't submit a lineup. I so did not. it became you and I contest. Yep. And I picked my lineup live on the on on the uh, podcast. podcast. Yeah. And so um, what I failed to do is press save. <laughs> so I picked my lineup, but I didn't save my lineup. Uh huh. So, I have your lineup. I listened again. Yep. I listened again too, and I got my lineup. Yep. And then I went out and I found all the points that my guys made. Ooh. You did the math. And I did the math. All six of these guys made the cut. Ugh. Can you believe that? I'm six for hey, six. I'm Riviera. Week, uh, and it was tough because there was a lot of big dogs that didn't make it. Right. So right. congrats. You, I'm, this guy's going to be wandering your way. Yes. What, what do you got? Finally. You got? I had 425 points. Wow. And I yes. had McElroy, Thomas. How much, how much money did you make? Hoagie, <laughs> Nick Taylor, Shane Lowry. Yep. 82.5 points. That was my pick. And then. I was mocked and ridiculed, but yeah, I had were. Tiger on my team. Yep. Tiger by the tail, and Tiger makes the cut. So that's my first time making having all six players make the cut. That was 425 points. I did have an equal amount. Another team that I did was around 425, and I did, um, yeah, I, I made some pretty you had decent to make some money. money on that. Nice job. So 425. That's effort. a solid team. Thank you. Here you go. This guy, the goat, Finally. right now is going. Who's this guy? Is this the first one? I had not been over yep. this way before. Yep. Why? How many points did you have? Uh, well, my team did not fare as well. I had two miss the cuts. Fitzpatrick missed. Ouch. And Taylor Montgomery missed. So I had JT Thigala, Clark, and Adam Scott. Thigala anchored. Um, I only had three forty-one. Mm-hmm. Wow! You lap me, man. Okay, this you is me. this is. Feeling good, even if LJ didn't put in a team, I'm still feeling just yep. like just like fine. John Rahm. I wanted to give someone else a chance <laughs> to win. Funny guy. I thought All right. I thought you had Gary Woodland on your team. As uh, I listened to the last right. last week's show, you highlighted some guys. I, I did. Woodland was a pick, and I I thought that was extremely. Yeah. Um, that was really a good pick because he did. I think he had a top ten from you know his his strokes gained. I think yep. in Phoenix was trending the right direction. You're yep. like, geez, Woodland's a good yep. value. And um, I didn't put him in our in our lineup, but I had him in did. other lineups. You did. Yep. 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 Nice work. Go. Thank nice you. Work. All right. Okay, so well, I'm finally, I'm feeling it now. Congrats. Congrats, Mark. Way to go, Mark. First one. Thank you. That, uh, Treat the goat nicely. That yep. proves anybody can do it. That's right. <laughs> okay. um, all right. Yeah, so like I said, we're moving from the West Coast all the way over to the East Coast, Florida Swing. There's a lot of talk with these elevated events um, that, Guys that can set their own schedule, the heavy hitters, the guys like McElroy, Rom, those guys, they're taking the week off. They that's right. Because we got players coming up, and uh, we'll just the other one that's in there. Anyway, um, so we're in, at PGA National for the Honda Classic this uh, this week. Great golf course. It's, it is shorter-ish, right? 70, 71, 100 yards. Par yep. 70. That's right. Um, but uh, Probably the talk of the golf course is a finishing stretch, 16, 17, 18, maybe some of the best stretches. That's right. Uh, best the stretch of whole, the bear trap. Jack Nicholas designed course, yep. right? He did the whole thing and uh, some of the toughest finish in golf. A lot of water on this golf course. That's right. Got to be able to drive the ball well. Yep. Right. Total uh, driving. That's the stat I got here. 
typical uh, score for winning is about 10 under around that ball. So, so no, it's not, it's not a birdie crazy. fest. Yeah, nope. Nothing crazy. Yep. And and it is being in Florida, it is Bermuda grass. So you've got that coming at you um, for what that's worth. And I mean, the wind blows. And the wind, wind blows. blows. I see the wind, the, looking at weather, it, it's going to be swirling. I don't think it's going to stay one direction uh, all week. It's going to be picking up and moving. So uh, something to keep an eye on there as well. Um, Chuck, any other points I'm kind of missing here? From a stats perspective where I'd focus, total driving. Okay, and, and that for the listener there, sometimes we talk about driving distance with the bombers getting that advantage with so much water off this on this course. Total driving, hitting fairways, not necessarily length of shot, but being in, the, in that fairway is going to be key. And then bogey avoidance is mm-hmm. another one mm-hmm. with, a, with a tough course when you're looking at scores. Uh, historically, the uh, cut line is about plus two. Oh, wow. Over par. Yep. Plus one, plus two. So bogey avoidance. And then the third category or stat I'd look at is greens and regulation. Those, uh, those are all categories. If you go out and look, you can see in, individuals playing this week. Uh, who's at the top in those categories. So I I think this is a, a great test of a golf course because just driving in, in those final three holes are, are fantastic to watch. And I know uh, Nate DeZeal, who we had on er, earlier show, he's played in this and never forgets to remind me every week that uh, that they play here that just how difficult this golf course can be. Um, so I think it's going to make for some great uh, great golf again, even if we don't have the top, top names in, in the lineup. So... Uh, really excited, but let's let's jump in here to uh, to our teams this week. Mark, you screaming go to the week. You get uh, I go first. You, you get do. to kick oh, it I've off. I've never gone first before. There you go. Well, so I went a little course history, and yep. you know, there's not the marquee names, but but I went course history, and I went with the guy. Um, I went. I, I did three heavy hitters. Okay. Okay. So I did uh, at ten thousand seven hundred. I went with M. Sungjae. Most Sung expensive guy this week. Most yep. expensive. He's the class of the field, in my yep. opinion, as yep. you look at this. And it, I don't. I think you need to have him on, on your team. Um, he, he's, his ball striking is just exceptional. I think it's, it's going to be rewarded here. Um, the next guy, he's gone four for four in cuts. He's had three top threes. He's from Australia, I think. M. Lee. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even have a picture up. But I, but I like his numbers. And then Matt Kuchar. The Cooch. I've had him on my teams periodically. I think experience is going to help, and he's and he's, he's playing well. Striking, he's, he's playing, playing well. well. Yep. yep. So I think I got to. I, I need to ride that. And then the next guy that I have on my team, he's a past champion. He's playing the Champions Tour, but he's hitting mm. the ball longer than he's ever hit it. Mm. Padrick Harrington. Mm, yeah. He's sure. a value Patty. pick at seventy three hundred. He played well last week. He didn't beat Bernard Langer yeah. in the senior event, but. Um, it's a stretch, but I'm throwing a senior on my He's team. He always has a senior. I love it. <laughs> I frequently have a Not senior Rory on Sabatini my team. this week. No, though. no. And then I then I picked a couple guys that have great course knowledge and experience and aren't the longest hitters because it isn't that long of a golf course. It's more of a game manager's course. And I have Russell Knox and mm-hmm. Brian Gay. Okay. Brian Gay's coming off an injury, but he's been he's been trending. Mm-hmm. So a bit a bit of a leap, but I'm really trying to use the heavy hitters, and then find some value guys. And if your value guys make the cut, all the Bonus. better. It's yeah. kind of what happened to me last week. Um, so I'm going to ride this. Allegedly. So I'm going to really try and ride this, pick really some, you know, a couple guys that are that are proven, mm-hmm. guarantees, and then hopefully find some guys that can make the cut in the value picks. 
Probably more information than you wanted to know, but I'm feeling good like about it. my hey. team. Yep. I'll take it. I'll take it. That's not bad. Chuck, you're you're up next. I'm going next. Okay. Yeah. So for my I went M as well. I think he's fit for course. Um top dog, spending a lot of money on him. Then I'm gonna go Zach Johnson. I think Zach looking, he's playing he's made a couple cuts now. I think he's gonna uh con- continue this trajectory for the masters. So he's he's working on prepping. Yep, yep. he's prepping. Um then based on this the bogey avoidance and greenness and regulation, I got uh Will Gordon. Okay. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Hayden Buckley. Is there, I like that one as well. Both, those guys make both categories. Nick Hardy actually makes all three when you look at total driving. So I'm going off that stats. And then Alex Noren is the guy that yes. I got on my squad that nice. I think people are going to be off. He's missed the last two cuts, but he missed the cut on the number. And then last week it was by two. So he's right there. And I think on a weaker field, he I think he's going to have that. Yep. I yep. like you're that. right. And I think, Chuck, this is a compliment to you and the homework that you do. This part of the tour, I think knowing numbers, the strokes gain numbers, and really applying those is going to pay off. Yeah. When we get a little data here. Yes. You know, we're in a 10th event where these guys have been playing. That's what I'm banking on. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Um I'm a little surprised uh, you guys didn't uh, pick up my top guy, Shane Lowry. Mm. Yeah, he had a good tournament last week. He was on my team. Really looking forward to seeing how he plays. Again, kind of going off your point on a little weaker weaker field, Chuck. Yep. uh, I think he got a ton of confidence playing at at Riff. He looked good at Riff. So uh, Shane Lowry is going to lead it off, followed by Matt Kuchar. I like that. He's a game solid, trending trending that way. And then I went uh, pretty middle of the road. I stuck in the sevens. Um, and then I went for a little bit of course history and then recent form. Um, ben Griffin's my next expensive. Mm, he's pick. been he's been playing really well. Yep. Um, I think he missed a cut last week, <clears throat> or I guess eighteen T was the last time. But he's been he's been grinding grinding. Um, then I went the the Byung Hun An. Byung Byung Hun An An yep. An An yep. An, um, and he's been playing really well. So uh, more recent form there. I've got uh, Joseph Bromlett, mm-hmm. who's... Uh, seven cuts in a row. Seven cuts wow. in a row. I have that out. Plus, yeah. he's uh, coming out back-to-back. His last two events he's played have been, both been top 15. It's solid. So like heavy it. recent form on that one. And then a uh, big fan of Grayson Sig, who had a mm-hmm. value of 7,200. His fantasy points per game 73.3. He makes cuts. He's got a top 10 in there. Um, he missed the cut last week, but... Before that, was playing pretty solid. So more uh, recent form than anything on my entry to to get me back in the in the swing of things here. But uh, I feel I feel confident about those guys. That's solid. So you went Lowry, I went avoiding Lowry. him. I like it. So you pivot. Take notes. I hit save on that one. There's yep. a little button in the corner yep, that I've just says save. Saved my team. Okay. You know something like this when they uh, head over to Florida, a couple other teams that I might do, and I'm going to do some research. You know, guys that play well on Bermuda grass. Yep. It is different. Yeah. Well, and we've talked about that before, right. and um, there's something to be said for Bermuda putters and, and short game. And, um, yeah, I think it would be interesting for those out there that are looking um, down that road. Um, it is different. It is different, speaking from experience. So. Solid teams, guys. Yeah, excited. Should be, good. Should be, should be a good one. Always, uh, like I said, this finish, the finishing stretch here is, is fantastic golf. So yep. we're excited to watch that. Uh, that's going to wrap things up here for us. Episode 20, round two, hole one. 
gentlemen. So uh, great guest. Thanks again to to uh, Tom Dolby for coming on the show. Uh, first phone interview. I think that went well. So um, hopefully have him on again and get his wife, Kaylin, on here as well. Um, and best of luck to you guys moving forward. Best of luck to the listeners. And uh, we'll catch you next time.